0: Hello and welcome back to EdChoice Chats. I'm your host, Jason Bedrick, Director of Policy at EdChoice, and this is another edition of our Big Ideas series. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Dennis Shaquille, a postdoctoral research fellow at the Program on Education Policy and Governance at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. He is the co-author with Harvard's Dr. Paul Peterson of a new study titled, Changes in the Performance of Students in Charter and District Sectors of U.S. Education, an Analysis of Nationwide Trends, which is the subject of today's conversation. Danish, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's
0: a pleasure to have you. Before we dive into what you found in the study, perhaps we could just briefly cover what charter schools are. There's a lot of people who think that charter schools are private schools or that they can be religious schools or that they have test requirements to get in. So just what are charter schools and what makes them different from traditional district schools?
1: The public education in the United States is divided into two sectors. The first sector is the district schools, and the second sector is charter sector. Now, these charter schools were formed in the 1990s, and then they grew up. This sector receives most of their funding from government at the local, state, and federal levels. And the district schools are governed by school boards or other official governing bodies. In contrast, Charters are governed by nonprofit organizations, which are authorized by a public agency. So they are public schools in all regards, but they have some autonomy in comparison to their public counterparts.
0: Okay. And your study compares these two sectors. It compares the traditional public school or district school sector and the charter sector using the NAEP, the National Assessment of Educational Progress. So how did you make this comparison between the two sectors and what did you find?
1: So we make comparisons of the gains for each cohort of grade four and grade eight across the two sectors. So our study is not comparing the two sectors at a single point of time. We are looking at overall trends over a 12 year period. So we start with the 2005 baseline year for which the chartered data is very strong. And then we go to 2017. So each two-year, the NAEP administers the survey in math and reading to samples of grade 4, grade 8, and grade 12. The grade 12 data is not very good in terms of numbers, so we know that. And we only look at math and reading for every alternate year from 2005. The data which we use is restricted, which means that we have background-level variables, and it is very detailed. We also have socioeconomic status, which we measure by the number of books in home or the computer availability in home and the student reported parental education level for grade eight. The SES data is not available for grade four. So we use this data and the data is available up to 2017. Uh, After that, they have not released it publicly yet. So we compare a 12 year trend and, and then we do our analysis.
0: Okay, so to be clear, you're not just doing a comparison of charter schools to district schools. What you're looking at is, Students that are in each sector separately, how are they gaining over time? And then you're comparing the gains from one sector to the gains of the other sector. Is that accurate?
1: Yes. And we did that for a reason because many people might think that one sector is growing and the other is not growing. So we show that each of them is growing and then we take a difference. So we can show that each of them is growing and the difference is this much. And then we interpret the difference. Critics, though, might point to
0: the selection problem, right? Charters can't, as I alluded to earlier, charters are public schools. That means they're not private. They're not religious. They cannot have admissions requirements. You can't say, you know, you have to take a test in order to get in. If they're oversubscribed, they have to have a lottery. Nevertheless, parents have to affirmatively opt in. And the types of parents who do that may differ in important but unobservable ways relative to the parents whose children are enrolled in their default district school. And so if you think that parenting matters, which I think most people do, if these two different types of parents are different, then that may affect their children, right? So in other words, you may have families that are more interested in education, actively searching for charter schools. Those families that the parents are less interested in education are more likely to just default to the school that they're assigned to. And so what you're picking up really is not the difference between the performance of the charter schools. What you're picking up is just the selection bias that these parents are choosing this sector over that sector. How do you address that problem?
1: So our data does not allow us to track students over time. So that is a limitation of the data. We only observe one student for a particular year when they are tested, and we cannot track them over time. So we cannot account for selection, and we also cannot account for their prior test scores. So we don't do a value-added analysis because of that reason. Now what we can do with the data is, we can control for changes in student characteristics. So, we control for gender, ethnicity, and SES at grade eight. And despite controlling for those covariates, the difference in gain does not shrink away. So, we can say that at the best, with this sort of analysis, we don't find the differences to be explained by background characteristics. Now, we can support that with evidence from other high quality randomized studies, which have found that despite accounting for selection, the charter effect remains in certain contexts. So, our study is not challenging that finding that charters do well in certain contexts, but we show the heterogeneity by different categories to further discuss that pattern. Danny,
0: another thing that critics of the study have raised is that you may be oversampling charter schools in urban areas, and that
1: may be biasing your results. What do you say to that? That is a very good question, Jason. So what we can do is we can look at two surveys. One is the NAEP, which we are already using, and the other is the surveys collected by NCES for charters generally. Right, that's the National Center for Educational Statistics,
0: which is a part of the Department of Education. Exactly.
1: So if you look at the two surveys and we look at the urban share of charters in the two surveys, we find that there is no evidence of systematic oversampling of charters from urban areas in NAEP. For example, in the year 2017, the urban share of charters in NCES was 56%. In NAEP, it was 52.5%, So it was a little bit lower. In 2015, the NCES share of urban charters was was 56.5%. In NAEP, it was 55%. Similarly, in 2007, it was 54% in NCES and 55% in NAEP. We don't see any evidence of systematic oversampling as far as the data is available to us. And I don't know of any better source to make comparisons of NAEP with a national level data set.
0: So what do you find overall?
1: Who benefits? Is it across the board? Is it certain subgroups? So we have three principal findings. One is definitely that the overall gains in charters uh, amount to an additional three months worth of learning than the gains made by uh, district schools in these 12 years. That is the first finding. The second is that the gains are particularly large for eighth grade African-Americans. And there we find that the gains in charters are four times as large than the gains at district schools. The third major finding is that the achievement gains are larger for students from low SES at charter schools than their counterparts at district schools. These are the three major findings. Right, Okay. so
0: before we get into analysis of the findings, you actually noted in a Wall Street Journal, congratulations on getting into the Wall Street Journal with Paul Peterson, that there was an exploratory precursor to these NAEPS surveys in 2003 mm-hmm. that showed that the average performance of charter school students in fourth grade on reading and math was actually behind their district school peers. Your study shows that the gains that they make over time puts the charter school students ahead. So what happened between then and now that accounts for the difference in your
1: findings? So there was a study done in 2003, it was an exploratory study by NAEP and it found that the charters were underperforming district schools and it gained a lot of media attention. If you look at the NAEP Explorer, which allows one to look at the basic differences between the two sectors, in 2005, the charters were underperforming the district schools. But if you look at 2017, the differences are not statistically significant. In some cases, the charters even go one point ahead than districts. So the the achievement gap between the two sectors has closed. That itself gives us evidence of a higher rate of learning in charters over time. And the sector could have improved, it could have undergone selection issues, as you can say, but despite all those things, the controls don't explain away the differences in gains. So, it could be that a charter school has become better in instruction uh, as well. So,
0: what do you think actually does account for these gains? And why do we see that Black and low income
1: students seem to be benefiting so much more than the other groups? We don't test for that, but maybe the kind of model that is a new no excuses model is working well for disadvantaged and Black students in a subsequent analysis, we are planning to include those hypotheses as well. Interesting, can you speculate as
0: to maybe why some groups are
1: faring so much better or gaining so much more than others? It could be because of mission orientation. And again, I, I'm not able to test these hypotheses if you're asking me to speculate. Yeah. So maybe some charters are driven uh, with the mission that they want to serve these communities. And because of that drive, they focus on the learning of the underserved students. That could be the driving force. But again, I'm not able to test this hypothesis yet. Right. And maybe for a future
0: study too, it'd be good to break it down at the state level to the extent that that's possible to see if the charter sector in some states, because obviously charter laws differ dramatically from state to state. And it would be really interesting to see if, some states are posting more gains in the charter sector
1: than in other states. Yeah, that's a nice idea. But, you know, the NCES samples and also the NAEP samples do not collect the data for every state. So it is nationally representative. But once you go go down to breaking for each state, then one cannot provide a full picture for every state. So uh, we can consider that at least for the states where charters are more prevalent, And that could provide some better analysis. Certainly.
0: Now, do you have any advice for policymakers based on what your study
1: found? It seems to us that the opposition to charter is happening where the charters are actually performing very well. For example, in in the Northeast, we see a large charter effect, but the political opposition is also very large there. So it could be that the opposition to charter at the political level is happening where the charters are performing very well. So policymakers should be aware of that. They might use some data in their context to address that political backlash. And I definitely would like researchers to study charters in the context where the political opposition is the largest. We are also planning to work on empirically testing this hypothesis that the political opposition is largest where the performance is largest. Our guest today has been Dr. Dennis Shakil, a
0: postdoctoral research fellow at the Program on Education Policy and Governance at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. Again, he is the co-author with Harvard's Dr. Paul Peterson of the study, Changes in the Performance of Students in Charter and District Sectors of United States Education and Analysis of Nationwide Trends. Danny, thanks so much for joining the
1: podcast. Thanks, Jason. for the pleasure to talk to you.
0: My pleasure. This has been another edition of EdChoice Chats. If you have any ideas for authors you'd like us to interview for the Big Ideas series, please send them to media at edchoice.org and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on social media at edchoice and don't forget to sign up for our emails on our website edchoice.org. Thank you. We'll catch you next time.